0: Welcome to Viva La Vulva, the podcast that explores and teaches about the goodness of the
1: vulva. Here is your host, Dr. Kara Quant, an internal medicine doctor and advocate for female sexual health. All right, so uh, welcome, listeners. Uh, this is Dr. Kara Quant. And uh, I have a guest today. Uh, Her name is Dina Goodman. Um, She is a pelvic floor physical therapist. And um, a little bit of background about her. I mean, she'll explain... Um, her main background, but in terms of how we connected, um, we have uh, actually, through, it was through Viva La Volva that we connected. So um, th- through the uh, art exhibit that I did in March of 2000 or uh, March of this year uh, in Los Angeles, uh, she was um, a part of some of the information on the walls the medical information on the walls for uh, the Viva La Volva art exhibit. Um, And we also did um, a lecture together um, earlier this year in Los Angeles during my residency program. And so she was good enough to, I guess you can say good enough to uh, do part of the lecture on uh, female sexual dysfunction and talk about her, um, what she does in terms of pelvic floor physical therapy and pelvic floor and physical therapy. female sexual dysfunction. Um, So I thank you, Dina, for uh, getting on the call with me today. And uh, I just wanted you to kind of introduce yourself.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, How fun to talk about pelvic floor physical (laughs) therapy. (laughs) So, um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I started off just as a general orthopedic physical therapist and really, had a passion and desire to know more about why um, many gynecologists weren't referring some of their patients to physical therapy when they had pelvic pain. Um, and was it just because they were pregnant? And, you know, I would hear the same thing over again, which I think we sometimes also hear in female sexual medicine in general, but, um, oh, the pain will go away or, you know, when you're not pregnant or when you're not this, there was always just something. But why not try some conservative treatment, a musculoskeletal treatment approach and be very collaborative in a multidisciplinary approach? So I was working for Cedar sinai which is very multidisciplinary um, in its approach. And I was just feeling like I was all alone and wanting to know more information. So started out a little more in gynecology and OBGYN. And then added urology, and then of course the men were saying, "Why aren't you seeing us too? We have issues too. We have a pelvic floor, um, and that become more became more of my focus: uh, pelvic floor physical therapy. Mm. So
1: yeah, so you said you saw a need, essentially, you saw a need for pelvic floor physical therapist.
0: absolutely, and um, just a curiosity about uh, why weren't um, women and then ultimately men not being treated. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And why aren't they being treated? Do you think that they're not being sent to pelvic floor physical therapists, or do you think that the community doesn't know about, uh, the services that you offer? I think right now we're in a fascinating, um, stage in
0: technology as, as you are exploring now (laughs) recording this, Um, where, um, patients, women, men themselves are trying to put the pieces together and doing their own research and tapping into it. So I think in 2018, we're seeing so much more than we did when I started out, you know, 20, let's just say 22, 23, 24 plus years ago -hmm. um, as a physical therapist, when it wasn't even uh, something that was really discussed what's down there. You can't see it, what's happening. You know, we know we have backs and we could put our hand in the back pain, but, you know, between when we put our hands on our hips and, um, you know, our sits bones, what, what's going on there? Um, So, I think now we see a lot more of it and there's a lot more awareness in the, in the medical community that even now, even today, I had a phone call from someone who really didn't know what was going on with themselves and their urologist didn't as well, Mm. but why don't you come for a consult? So if we could put all the pieces together, what we know in general medicine and orthopedics and sexual medicine in urology and gynecology in all the other disciplines, colorectal, um, any of the gastro, gastrointest- you know, intestinal disorders, mm-hmm. and we can see where we all come together and meet, then, you know, we can help patients, um, much more in defining. And that's kind of where differential diagnosis is, is so important. So when we say pelvic floor, what does that really mean? Um, it means that you have a specialty in either some anatomy, some form as a physical therapist to deal with that part. It's a musculoskeletal part of the body. It's in our in our practice act as physical therapists. But tapping into that piece and tapping into all the other things we know about biomechanics and how the body moves and orthopedics, you know, is a different realm. So. Um, that's part of what that means by pelvic floor. What, mm. what
1: what's a pelvic floor? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, actually when I, I didn't know what a pelvic floor physical therapist was until I think late, no residency is when I first found out about it. I knew about physical therapists. I knew that, you know, if you broke a bone or if you had surgery or whatever, that you were referred, you know, after surgery or post-op to a physical therapist. But in terms of pelvic floor physical therapists, I'm like, what is this? And so I'm, yeah, I'm so happy that it's a resource for women and men to go to for their sexual issues.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they deal with cable muscles. Okay. We deal with a heck of a lot more. We (laughs) deal with abdominal muscles and we deal with butt muscles and leg muscles and hip rotators and uh, inner thigh muscles and, you know, rib cages and diaphragms. So when we talk about the pelvis, it really encompasses a lot more if you think of, I always like to think of a Coke can. You know, what's on top is your diaphragm. What's on the bottom is your pelvic floor. What's in the front is your abdomen. And what's in your back is all the structures associated with with your spine, you know. So mm-hmm. both joints, muscles, bones. So it, it's pretty complex. It's not just like,
1: oh yeah, go do your kegels and you'll be fine. You'll <laughs> Absolutely, pro- not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> mm. So there is, there is, uh, I guess, specialty training for pelvic floor physical therapists rather than, uh, or there's a, uh, yeah, there's more training for a pelvic floor physical therapist versus just a regular physical therapist.
0: Um, so correct. Some therapists just think of themselves as generalists. Some mm-hmm. therapists, you know they may have a specialty in hand therapy, in uh, cardiology. um in pelvic floor, there are courses that are um, approved courses within the um, in, within our field of physical therapy. and there are continuing education units that you can get. In that if you are a physical therapist wanting um, to specialize, Mm. um, there is also a specialty certification called a WCS, which is a women's health certified specialist. Not Mm. all therapists who um, consider themselves pelvic floor physical therapists have that specialty, that specialty was something that I, wa- I was involved with in 2009 in setting up the first, creating that first board certification, which is a national board certification, just like you have for your um, uh, rotations in medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so we were fortunate enough to be, uh, to, there was a group that um, collaborated to create that first test. And, um, I don't know what the number is right now, but when I started and, um, we were grandfathered in to be able to take the test and it was a pretty hard test to take, but uh, there were 60 of us, uh, nationwide, uh, that, that passed that first exam. So, um, so you can see someone who is a WCS, but you can also see someone who, who is very qualified, who might not have those initials after their, name as well.
1: So Mm. yeah. Okay. And how would someone know to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist? Sure. So either they Google search what
0: the heck's going on with them and they say, oh, there you go. Pelvic pain or pelvic floor. Oh, that's exactly what I have. Or I have a bladder issue or I'm having pain with sex. Or those are some of the common ones. Or I'm having constipation. What's going on? And it's really not my GI. And I've gone to all these doctors and, and it's not that. Or they're fortunate enough To at the beginning of having their symptoms or when they finally recognize they have them and they seek help, um, they seek a consultation with someone that might refer them Mm. to a pelvic floor physical therapist in addition to whatever medical management they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they can oftentimes just find us and contact us. So, um, you know, in in certain states, um, we have direct access. In certain states, we have partial um, direct access to patient care. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether, you know, a patient has been given a diagnosis having to do with pelvic floor dysfunction or not, um, you're, you know, the patient may be contacting the physical therapist first, as opposed to medical management or vice versa.
1: Mhm. So how uh, what percentage would you say are uh, self-referral patients versus uh patients that have been referred to you by another provider? That is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I feel like it I feel like it's probably it I mean I'm sure it varies but you know, like I said, I didn't know about pelvic floor physical therapists. So I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, go online and they're like, Hey, I don't know what's going on. I need to find somebody and they, you know, your website pops up or another pelvic floor physical therapist pops up. So yeah, I think that's, yeah. like Yeah. That's
0: a really good question. And it really does vary. Um, you know, I laugh sometimes because it's not always that, you know, September, October, November, December aren't necessarily the busiest months if you're an insurance (laughs) provider or not um you know for for this type of treatment. Um, But um, it really just varies. Um, Again, someone who might be in their early 20s might be a much better browser of finding the resources they need online um, compared to someone who you know might not be as tech not technologically uh, savvy, you know, mm-hmm. or on, on the internet or, you know, um, someone who is, let's just say over 75 or 80 years old. I don't even want to put out numbers, but, mm-hmm. um, cause some of, some of my 85 year olds are much better, um, on the internet than I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you kind of get my, my yeah, point. I, I think it really depends on the community, um, the city we live in. I'm in West Los Angeles where patients have access to a lot of things um, and a lot of great resources for alternative medicine. Um, sometimes we get referrals from other disciplines, not just someone who's an MD, right? Mm-hmm. It might be an acupuncturist. It might be um, another body worker. Mm. Uh, so... Um, but, but, you know, if I'm going to pick a number for yesterday, it might've been, you know, um, 50, 50 in terms of our referral sources from, um, some kind of physician medical practitioner versus, mm-hmm. um, patients just finding us on their own. So, wow.
1: yeah, and so what, what, um, I know you talked about, um, you know, constipation and it's not a GI issue. I know you talked about uh, pain with sex. Um, what are some of the other, um, um, diseases or conditions, I would say conditions Mm -hmm. that you, um, see, treat, manage so forth.
0: Absolutely. So specific to pelvic floor, right? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. yes. <laughs> right. um, well, I'll tell you a couple of the really, I call them crazy ones because right now I think this is where, um, where patients are really confused, especially if they haven't been directed, um, along a particular algorithm medically that, um, that is telling what they should do next and they come into our office and we see things like, hmm, diagnostically, they haven't maybe been diagnosed. Um, yes, we know they have vestibular pain, but what's going on? Is it a hormone?
1: what is vestibular for the people that don't know? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Kara, what's a <the> vestibule? <laughs> uh, well, well, it,
1: well it, uh-huh. go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the area around the uh, the vaginal opening. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the area that is um, most or it, it's usually associated with pain. If someone is having pain, it's usually in that area. And it's again, it's like uh, on the inside of the inner lips or the labia minora, and it is, yeah, around the the vaginal opening. I give you an A plus there. Oh, so when,
0: when we when we think of the vulva in general and how that includes right what some women call is their lips or the the where the hair is and the Mons pubis, um, there could be all sorts of areas where there may be pain. But if they have not been diagnosed yet or have taken a look at either what's happening with their hormones, that may or may not be something to look at. Um, but but to distinguish a little more, and there are some tests, things that we do in our clinic versus things also that are done medically, um, such as, um, if there is pain or no pain, right. Um, by doing a test, um, we call it a Q-tip test to just see exactly and diagnose and confirm where their pain is. And then we may give it a we may give it one diagnosis or another. So the, the two, they're really big words. You ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so again, hormonally mediated vestibulodynia, which would be, see so even I can't, that, that doesn't roll off my <laughs> tongue, but dynia having to do with pain and vestibulo having to do with the vestibule versus if it's something that is considered um, and it could be a combination of the two, but there's also acquired neuro proliferative vestibulodynia. I say that slowly because Mm -hmm. don't ask me to say it fast. (laughs) But again, um, sometimes there may be a combination and this is the pain. So if you talk about pain syndromes, that is not only really frustrating to patients who haven't been Um, diagnosed at all, or maybe they've Mm -hmm. been diagnosed one way and actually it's a combination of things or, uh, right? Just depending on who they've seen or who they haven't seen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is so challenging as a pelvic floor physical therapist to say, okay, we're going to do these things, but if we don't start to see a resolution, meaning... Mm -hmm. we're helping you with your symptoms Yeah, you really need to get that medical management or um, take a look at what else is going on because once you have that piece there there's your there's your fabulous team approach to treatment right Mm -hmm. Um, it's not just about the pelvic floor physical therapy but as you know um, and listeners um, can hear that it's whatever else they're doing that's collaborating collaborative so that we can then help with that musculoskeletal piece. So for instance, another, um, diagnosis that, um, patients, um, may have is vaginismus. So Mm -hmm. if the vaginismus, which is referring to very tight muscles, they may be more than just the pelvic floor, but, um, And we can work on those muscles manually and also give patients a home program of different things we want them to do. Well, that may also be very challenging and difficult if they are having anything um, where there's also... um, psychological holding patterns too mm. that maybe play into it but just say there weren't or maybe those issues have been addressed so there again team approach psychology right we didn't mm-hmm. even use that word yet um but but then that patient may be able to progress a little bit further because maybe they don't need a variety of different creams or other types of things, let's just say in general, um, from a medical management perspective. Um, And then the pelvic floor physical therapist may have an easier time. So I just give that as an example because Mm -hmm. there are so many different diagnoses and reasons why um, patients either progress Or Mm -hmm. maybe they're static. And um, we don't like to treat patients, at least in our clinic, um, if we're not making progress. Either we're following the wrong algorithm, something is missing, and we need to collaborate with the other um, uh, partners in the team, right? Or they're progressing nicely. So it, you know, again, patients sometimes will come to us for a second opinion or a third opinion, or they get stuck somewhere and maybe we're adding something different than they've had before. So Mm -hmm. those are just a couple of diagnoses. And I know I haven't really mentioned other than, you know, if it's rectal pain or testicular pain for men or um, bladder issues, another big one for men and women, either Mm -hmm. hesitation um, to be able to avoid difficulties emptying. Again, is there something on a neurogenic level going on? Avoiding, Avoiding, thank you. I say it like it's (laughs) nothing, right? (laughs) So, But you're right. Um, But there may be sexual dysfunction issues around um, erectile dysfunction that Mm -hmm. we can treat in physical therapy too. So again, Mm -hmm. there may be blood flow issues, there may be nerve issues, there may be um, trigger points, You know what a trigger point is?
1: Yes, uh huh. <laughs> so or, you know, I mean, you, you explain it to everyone. What
0: yeah, if, I mean, yeah. Okay, they may hear that word. They may hear muscle spasm as well. Um, so again, just the terminology. Not to get stuck on exactly what that is, but if something feels like it's hard as a rock and not moving, or something feels extra tight, and again, it's not moving properly, then, then there's things that we can work on to get those things um, moving. But Mm -hmm. the one thing I caution um, myself too, when I treat patients is, are we treating just the symptoms or are we treating the sign? Are we treating the correct diagnosis or the primary and the secondary right Mm -hmm. diagnosis? And I think that's, that's where some of the frustration and some of the complexity in pelvic pain in general, let alone pelvic floor physical therapy, um, is, is not only fascinating, um, you know, cause, cause really, you know, to be, I feel sometimes like that magician, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it is magic when, when you can assist in something It's not just, oh, I can't turn this way or my hip doesn't move this way, but, um, what are the, what are the mechanics behind all of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going back to your point of, you know, it can be frustrating because you don't know necessarily what's going on. I mean, if it's, you know, like a a muscle spasm thing, if it's a hormonal thing, if it's a nerve thing, if it's a, and for a multidisciplinary approach or for, you know, different people, including yourself to be a part of the, of the process, you know, the, the decision process, I guess you can say, and you're talking about, Algorithms, You know, like, I feel like there's not very many algorithms that are out there to, to diagnose or for, to help providers coming from my perspective, to help providers to diagnose properly what, you know, a woman um, is coming in for, especially if she's coming in for um, issues having to do with sex.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and again, which, practitioner do you go to? Do you go to a female sexual medicine doctor? Do you go to a gynecologist? Do you, you know, I mean, the the list can go on and on. So yeah, it could be very frustrating for patients. Um, And yet it can also be so heartwarming that they've been able to get help and that they are being led down a path that's going to help them. So, so that, that, that's, that's a hopeful, and we do have a lot of research. We have a lot of research in psychology. We yeah. have a lot of research in, um, you know, within physical therapy, um, validated, reliable measures that we use, um, objective measures in the clinic, certain questionnaires. Um, you and your profession, right? Um, yeah, do as well. So, so it's not that we're just going based on, um, uh, you know clinical data, but we are using what we have to, uh, move our patients forward. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yes, no, definitely. But yeah, I I have seen, um, at least from my perspective, you know, like, um, I, and I've said in the past that, in medical school, in residency, there wasn't a lot of information, especially from my standpoint, from the internal medicine standpoint. And I even think maybe from the family medicine standpoint of like, okay, if a woman were to come in with, you know, pain with sex or problems with orgasm or, you know, like um, uh, vaginismus or a tightening of the pelvic floor muscles, you know, like if, if someone were to come, if a woman were to come in for this, what do I do? Like, what is the, what are the procedures? What are the steps? What are the, you know, Medicaid or not medications, but what are the uh, labs that I order? And so I feel like that was not a part of the curriculum for medical school or for residency. And I feel like even for the, the other specialties that that is not necessarily, um, the case. So, um, but there are there are definitely conferences, and there are um, groups that are out there that are uh, providing provi- <laughs> providing um, practitioners with that information and with those algorithms and and so forth. And I think that the information just needs to disperse more. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. even within our
0: profession, the women's health section of the American Physical Therapy Association, um, you just Google that and you come to the website that will talk about all the pelvic floor dysfunctions and all all the resources from, a you know, not just a muscular. It's, you know, it's meant for people looking for either a locator for people who, um, you know, need certain things. And some of the things we didn't even talk about just now, like, you're right, orgasm issues. Sure, pelvic floor physical therapist can work with that um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, incontinence, a big one. Whether a huge one. Right? Unusual, whether, regular you're, regular
1: basis.
0: whether you're in menopause, whether you're pregnant, whether you've you just had a baby. Um, cough and sneeze I mean all those things labor and delivery just even being pregnant stretching your pelvic floor even if you're having a c-section and then you know there's uh, just the scar tissue that's um, uh, underneath (laughs) you know that happens um and absolutely so um A lot of diagnoses we don't think of, um, separated abdominal muscles, diastasis, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that's normally looked at unless there's a problem. A patient said to me today, um, wow, if my gynecologist hadn't said, you know what, you should just really go for a checkup and make sure you're good to go before you go do that marathon, before you go, um, training on your spin, you know, and your spin cycle, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she just was completely unstable yep. and had the the muscles of what we call the rectus abdominal muscles, just the long muscles. She had a separation there. Um, and it's not painful or anything, but she was wondering why she was straining her back. Well, she wasn't mm-hmm. using the right muscles and let alone her pelvic floor was weak. She w- didn't have any other symptoms, like she wasn't leaking urine or anything. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but she was, you know, 10 weeks postpartum and dying to get back to, you know, after having a baby dying to get back to her exercise routine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: (laughs) So going into leading into that, what are some story, like success stories, especially of patients that you have treated that are like, Oh my God, you, you, you have to hear this. Yes. Yes. Right. Well, you know, Half
0: the time, especially with the patients that have, I call them the fabulous O stories, the orgasm stories. That oftentimes, if they're coming in and they're not even having sex because either their pelvic floor muscles are too tight, it's just too painful, whatever, whatever it is. Oftentimes, they're not going to leave your clinic when they're um, off and running onto the next thing, and they've you don't see them anymore, um, saying you know, guess what? I'm now having an orgasm. You know, it's like you kind of have to, that pleasure of that buildup has to come with some time. Ha! Huh, no pun intended. Um, but I, um, I actually got an email the other day, which it was just so heartwarming. Cause I do tell my patients, I say, you know what? I'm so glad you're feeling so much better. And mm-hmm. now for you getting to that next level, meaning maybe they're not with a partner, maybe they're not sexual with themselves, and maybe now they want to be sexual with themselves. Mm -hmm. But again, practicing now where they are is a very different place than they were when they came in. So even if I only saw them a handful of times, or I saw them, you know, once a week for, a few months or, and there was a gap or something and they go off on their way because overall they feel good, but they're not now in that place where they're necessarily now back to full sexual functioning, what they want. You know, if they want to be able to have an orgasm or, um, whatever their goal is, it's not my goal, it's their Mm -hmm. goal. Um, and it's so nice to get, Emails And literally, this is a year after I saw this patient. She went to another state and she emailed and she's now in her early 30s. Mm-hmm. So um, she is with a partner. Um, she actually was able to have an orgasm on her own before she even met this partner and she's just exactly to her. It's just that fairy tale story, you know, to Mm -hmm. other people, again, I always say, take the pressure off yourself. You know, what does, you know, society say about what you should be doing or not be doing, but you know, huge, right. Um, but for her, she was at a place where she actually was enjoying her sexuality, enjoying her own sexuality. Um, and it was fabulous. And she said, if she didn't have the tools, if she didn't have either the guidance with the exercise, the movement patterns, anything, um, mm-hmm. she wouldn't be where she is today. So it's nice to hear that because you don't oftentimes hear that. You only hear about like if they're needing more help or yeah. if they're coming back for something, right? So or that if was they nice. work for them or. Yes, absolutely. And then I would say another one. So she was actually a case diagnostically. She had vaginismus. So, wait,
1: okay? uh, so, so going back to the, the orgasm one, so mm-hmm. she had the orgasm patient, she had not had an orgasm by herself or with a partner before ever. coming Correct. ever, before going to you as a pelvic floor physical therapist.
0: Yes. And now she's emailing a year later just saying, oh, FYI, for the last, you know, Four months or whatever, and I've been meaning mm-hmm. to call you. And I moved to another state, and so it was nice to hear. Because I would say, please keep in touch. Let me let us know what's going on. Yeah, let us um, know
1: what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And then there's the patients that might have things like we didn't even talk. A big component, autoimmune disease. I mean, let's just. I mean, that's a, that's a mouthful. What is that an is autoimmune a, yeah. disease, right? Yeah. Um, we can talk about that for
1: an hour and a half but yeah uh, cuz yes i also have many patients that have some type of autoimmune issue and autoimmune yeah. means like a attacking of self right like a yeah atta- your immune system is attacking yourself so things right. like Lupus and, and so forth, right? Or autoimmune.
0: Lupus, right. Even yeah. rheumatoid arthritis. Um, yeah. they, not to scare people, right? We, we want to say that a lot of people have a lot of different things that have, have autoimmune components to it. Um, even people, like, say you hiked and you had a tick and you have Lyme disease or something, right? Or it's caused problems or it hasn't, or you've had some virus, like even um, herpes. And then when you get stressed out and symptomatically the virus appears, you know, which can cause some pain and some other things. So there could be a variety of different things. But one of them, um, which may be an unfamiliar word to some patients, is lichen sclerosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. Can also anytime you're talking about things that can change the tissues. Well, guess what? Our clitoris, our vulvar tissues, right? They're not not immune to having dysfunction,
1: right? Yeah.
0: So any of the um, any of those kinds of things can affect those tissues, and so if there's any adherence, right? of the tissues. So, um, or, or kind of scarring, right? It's yeah. Just- scarring mm-hmm. over anything like that. Then yeah. guess what? That can affect sexuality that can mm-hmm. affect pleasure, orgasm, all sorts of things. So, um, but there's also things within, um, physical therapy that we can do to make, um, to help. Right. And again, usually, um, and I say usually because Sometimes patients come to us first meaning physical therapists. Mm. sometimes patients go to um uh medical providers first and sometimes they come simultaneously right yeah. and when i say medical providers i i really use that generally right whether that's psychology acupuncture uh, a massage therapist body worker anything not just a medical doctor mm-hmm. um it could be and it could be any kind of practitioner um but then if there's collaboration, how can those two work together to work on the autoimmune dysfunction? You know, is that a rheumatologist? Is that um, someone in dermatology? Is that in, right? And mm-hmm. guess what? The, I call it the big Y. Yeast infections.
1: Oh, that's Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeast infections or just the chronic infections in general. Yes. And how does that affect
0: the vulvar vaginal health? And well-being, right? That's gonna affect tissues too. So um it's not all about pelvic floor physical therapy, right? But mm-hmm. but it's absolutely um worth taking a look as a conservative treatment approach whether pelvic floor physical therapy can can help in conjunction with anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if it's just a consultation. So
1: yeah. So you were uh, so you were saying that the uh, the were you saying the patient had lichen sclerosis? Yes.
0: So absolutely. And, um, you know, how did that play in? And until the medications were administered properly, you know, there's a lot of things that patients do. My, my background also is in integrative body psychotherapy. So mm-hmm. I, psychology before physical therapy in terms of, um, what I studied, um, but my license is in physical therapy. So I'll use some of the, um, maybe some of the psychological arenas in, in how I speak to patients sometimes, not all patients, but to be able to help them get through a little bit you know, better. If they have a don't tell me what to do personality, you know, don't tell me what to do. Even I can't tell myself what to do. Well, if, if, if you can't figure out how to get around that, then guess what? They may be only using their medication once a day, like once is enough. That's good enough. Right. Versus twice a day. And then how do you think you're going to help them get better when you know, you know, in terms of their tissue health, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, or, or whatever you're working on symptom wise. So, um, that has a lot to do. Compliance is a big factor too. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, coming <laughs> yeah. from just the, the primary care standpoint of, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Medication is a huge thing. Compliance mm-hmm. is a big thing. And if you aren't taking medications as prescribed, you know, it's usually prescribed for a reason. So, right. yes, definitely can help or hurt somebody if they are or not taking the, the medications as prescribed. Absolutely. And I'm sure even doing, you know, some of the exercises that you recommend, right? Or you are giving them for kind of homework. Oh, absolutely.
0: I'm too tired. I didn't have enough time. I did this. I said, okay, we have enough time to come here. So if you want to get better, I mean, that... What's that saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So, exactly, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in terms of how, how things work. So it's interesting um, and it's so rewarding, right? And it can also be so challenging in terms of what we're presented with. And I think today um, when there are so many things, we didn't even talk about this and we don't have to, but um, there's, a whole sort of things that might've happened from a trauma standpoint. Wait. I'm not talking sexual trauma now, um, but which could be, but um, from physical trauma, horseback riding fractures, things that can happen to the spine, mm-hmm. um, cycling, herniated needed- right? her yeah. discs, anything like that, where there could be overlays. So if you're not an excellent diagnostician to be able to say, you know what, this has a real flavor of, Hmm, lumbar spine 4 and 5, mm-hmm. maybe the sacral nerve yeah. S1. Um mm-hmm. I had a patient today, you know, tingling in her urethra and it won't stop. Well, and so she also can't empty her bladder because her pelvic floor then gets incredibly tight and she just can't empty. So the question is what's going on? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I need her to go take those MRI images, which are very significant and diagnostic for what I think is going on with her higher up affecting her pelvic floor. So Mm -hmm. now she's going to see an orthopedic physician to um, have that component addressed Right, Mm -hmm. Um, while she's getting relief you know, in physical yeah. therapy, because um, that'll be temporary. It won't be permanent. If there's something again on a nerve level that uh, we can't, we can't
1: fix. Right. Yeah. 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 So kind of um, switching gears, um, I kind of wanted to, or I wanted to know um, cause I've actually never been to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Like what are some of the steps that someone can expect coming to you especially for the first time you know like is it it just talking is it like what what is the kind of protocol
0: right what's the protocol (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) everyone wants to know Uh, so yeah everyone has a story whether it's their medical history whether it is the etiology, the cause of what they're presenting with. So we always want to know that on the first um, visit. And yeah, that's absolutely talking and getting to know what's going on Um, and wanting to make the patient feel comfortable. If they're not comfortable sitting or they're in so much pain, well, then um, that's not going to be a really good part of the first visit, will it? So. You know, I think think if they need to lay down or recline or do something, then that should be part of it. Um, So that's the first part. Um, And some people have a complex medical history or have a lot of medications or things that they're taking and all of that, and just even knowing their activity levels. So a lot of that is in that first part or what we call that subjective, you know, intake part. Um, Mm -hmm. The next piece is um, usually looking... Um, posturally again, really taking a look at the whole person, right. Um, because it's not all about the Kegels. It's not all about either doing them or not doing them. Really? Um, so from head to toe, I think it, I think a good uh, pelvic floor physical therapist um, is really kind of assessing the whole, not to say that you have to get in every look at, nook and cranny and say, oh yeah, how does this shoulder dysfunction fit into what's happening in the pelvis on the first visit? Yeah. But just kind of some generalities um, before you actually get them on the table, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there may be some special tests, we call them, or things that we may want to look at in standing or movement patterns, things like that. And then, usually, um, my next part of the exam is um, on the table. And I always really create some safety, especially either on the phone before they come in, because if they have a history of either sexual abuse, um, or it could just be emotional abuse or something really traumatic happened. It could have even be, been in a doctor's visit when they're like, is this your pain? And then the patient just like, you know, shot out of, out of the roof, right? Um, and I didn't mention just in terms of pelvic floor, we're not just talking in women, the vaginal area, that's just the anterior, the front part of the pelvic floor, but it could involve um, a rectal exam or around the rectal fascia or things externally, right? There's, there's. Um, different layers just in terms of the pelvic floor fascia. So um, sometimes if someone's having a lot of pain in one part, we may go to the other part to try to work on that area first and kind of easing in. It's like, you know, peel the onion layers a little bit, you know, and and also develop that rapport and confidence that what we're going to do is not going to hurt or be very painful, um, but it's progressive in, in terms of, helping them feel better. Um, so that being said, it may, I would say most of the time it involves a pelvic floor exam, um, not with a, um, speculum, unless we need to use half a speculum or something to take a look at the significance of their, um, prolapse. prolapse is when um, an organs drop. So if the bladder's coming out or if the rectum's coming out, but again, oftentimes if they've been to um, a physician and have been screened, it may not be the thing that we have to, or we want to look at again, or have them go through those same things. We may be doing other things. So it could be a digital exam. So even before I get to that piece of it, I may have them just in their underwear and draped, Um, and, um, again, if they're not comfortable and they need to have some more clothing on, um, uh, you know, there are different religions that require certain, certain types of clothing on, even if you're a medical professional or they feel more comfortable or if it's male or female or someone else in the room. So again, we're really, we're, we're there for the patient, right? But, but if they're coming for answers, we're going to guide them in a way that, you know, hopefully they can understand why we're doing certain things. So ideally being able to assess what's happening in the hip muscles, um, movement wise, what's happening, um, by hands-on, we call palpation, right. To kind of feel what's going on in the whole abdomen, trunk, the spine, even all the muscles around what we're saying is the pelvis, you know, and the legs, right. All of that, that. Right. So we're kind of just trying to find out what's going on in those muscles and in the joints just in general, right? Some people have back pain, and it may be that they have a stuck um, sacrum or the joint is stuck or something, and maybe that's also affecting. So what's happening above and below where their problem is? So, again, it really just depends on um, how, how that first part of the um, – of the consultation goes on that first visit, depending on what we do on that second part. Um, and then, like I said, uh, it's usually a digital exam, maybe one finger, right. Um, or to, the rectum. Maybe to, to the pelvic floor, whether it's okay. right, rectally uh-huh. or feeling what's going on um, uh, vaginally. And again, there's so many different layers externally around that whole area. Now those lovely words, vulva, and vulva and vestibule, all those areas um, before we even do anything more that we may stop at that point or we may go farther in terms of the different layers of pelvic floor, depending on what they're presenting with. Right. So mm-hmm. all of that, we're hoping to assess and we're hoping to even do some treatment at the same time. Right. Because our assessment can be treatment and our treatment can be assessment yeah. at the same time in terms that- of what's going on.
1: Yeah. And that- be within the first visit essentially, Yes, depending, then, on the patient, depending on the patient and how comfortable they feel with you and the discussion and so absolutely. forth. Absolutely, Some people just want, you know,
0: some general and can you not do anything around my pelvic floor tissues at all that first visit? They just want to see. And you know what? Sometimes we'll say, well, you know what? We can give you X, Y, and Z to try based on what you're presenting with, based on what you're telling me. Um, but without me really feeling, or I can feel externally, I can feel, you know, where your sits bones is and you, you feel that. And if you go inside there, we can feel some of the pelvic floor fascia and we can assess, um, what's going on, um, that way too, and what's happening around the area. So it's not that we can't, it's just that, How complete do we need to be to give them all the information they want, right? Because it's really about what the patient's goals are. And then they always go home with something, right? They're going Mm -hmm. home with some education, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. They're going home with something to do. They're with themselves 24 hours a day, right? So, (laughs) right? Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully, And hopefully they're (laughs) only coming, you know, maybe they're coming, you know, once a week to us, maybe they're coming twice a week to us, you know, and, um... So, and are they able to, depending on how acute their symptoms are, do things in the community in terms of their movement, their exercise? Some people meditate Do you know, can they do yoga? Can they do other things? Is it too much for them now? Do we have to get them calmed down first a little bit more in their tissues before they do things? You know, is it a nerve issue? Is it not? Um, So a lot of things go into it. So hopefully that kind of clarifies what happens in the first visit. So it's not so, yeah. But we get those questions all the time. What are you going to do on that first season? Yeah. No, what are what you am gonna I going to wear?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like that That has been the same for a friend of mine yeah. that's also a, a sex therapist. It's like, am I going to be naked, you know, during this <laughs> therapy? Like, what am I doing? She's like, I don't touch you. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't, there's no sex uh, involved. It's right. Sex session. It's talking. It's not, you know, any physical activity. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to, okay, you're doing something in this quote unquote private area, like, or you're, we're talking about this. So what is going to be involved? Absolutely. And it's a very
0: intimate thing, right? Whether you're talking about it or whether you are actually a clinician that's working on that area. So we have to be very respectful of where our patients are coming from when they meet us, you know? And I think that's why sometimes, too, patients go from uh, clinician to clinician because either personality wise, they don't even they don't feel seen and heard or, um, you know, something's too fast or going beyond what I call their speed limits or yeah. not. So again, just kind of meeting them where they are. So, um, you know, which is not easy to do, you know, both from a patient's perspective and, and the clinicians, because it's kind of like finding that, you know, that happy medium. So, um, the patient gets what they want. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I do believe that, well, I mean, it's called the art of medicine for a reason, you know, there's not, Mm -hmm. not everyone practices the art. Well, there's people that are awkward. There's people that are, that are, you know, that go fast and slow and talk quick and and so it is definitely an art and it's like a it's a back and forth it's a balance of what can I provide to you and what you know can you um uh, not provide to me but um yeah it's definitely communication all of that stuff is involved in um in a good relationship yes Yes, and a good (laughs) provider-patient relationship. Yes, I love
0: it. The art. It is an art. There is science, and (laughs) there's the art (laughs) in the science.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so we are coming towards the end of our talk, um, but I wanted to know um, how people, or I wanted you to let other people know the listeners know how they can get in contact with you, or if they're not in the Los Angeles area, how they can get in contact with pelvic floor physical therapists.
0: Absolutely. So, um, for us in Los Angeles, we are, um, the, our website is goodmanphysicaltherapy.com, all one word, G-O-O-D-M-A-N, physicaltherapy.com. And um, they can contact us by email. Our phone number's there as well. Um, Or it's 310-441-1102. We answer the phone when we're not with patients. So (laughs) um, be patient. We do get back to you on the same day. And um, we do do phone consultations too if they're set up. So it is possible to do Um, some kind of an intake or give some information, some patient education that way. Again, when we don't have the person's body in front of us and we're not doing a musculoskeletal assessment, then no, we're not making... any accurate decisions around that but the flavor of how someone's presenting or suggestions about possibilities um, patients can do that we do see a lot of people either who are bicoastal or coming in town for a while or out of the country so it is a possibility to do something like that and again if they are Um, Some of my national colleagues, um, we, we share patients, you know, they're in New York for a certain period of time, then they come back. Um, Again, we don't give out medical information because of HIPAA, unless the patient is requesting that we have some collaboration with their other, um, you know, care team. So um, uh, women's health section of the APTA or of the American Physical Therapy Association. That's a long wordy thing, but mm-hmm. just Googling that you um, get APTA, but, right. but specifically women's health section of the APTA. Right. And that'll get them more directly to um, therapists who uh, work with women and men in uh, pelvic floor dysfunctions.
1: Hmm. And do you do you believe or do you know if there are pelvic floor th- physical therapists in every state?
0: Um, you know what? I would love to say yes. And you <laughs> know what? I haven't I would looked, hope so, but-, but I have a feeling there are. I do know one physical therapist, um in a state where she is the only one within I don't know how many in in the city where she is don't ask me the name of it right now Um, but you know no one within 100 150 miles of her so she's got this Whole community, and she's now just training someone who came out of school um, recently and mentoring. So we do a lot of mentoring of students that come from other states into California, and um, and so you know that's that's the nice thing. That yeah, there's wouldn't that be nice? And and I hope that every city would have. Um, a specialist. A couple,
1: yeah. <laughs> and not just one, but like several, of absolutely. because the work that you do is absolutely, it's, it's so important. Oh, so important. Thank Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And, and the work you do just even knowing about it, um, from an internal medicine perspective, I mean, and even, you know, you think, think about it. Someone comes to you even you know, for just the simplest cold in there or has, some kind of respiratory thing and they're coughing forever. How, how does that even affect the pelvic floor? It could be a problem, you know, Mm -hmm. down the road too. So um, it's really nice to have your care. Um, (laughs) Dr. Quant too.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And, you know, I think that the big thing that I would say overall is like, you know, uh, unless a patient says that they're having an issue I would not be able to address or even send them to you. So I think the biggest thing is like, you know, speaking up, if you're having an issue in terms of the pelvic floor, pain with sex, problems with orgasm, anything like that, there are resources out there like Dina Goodman and other pelvic floor physical therapists. It's just a matter of saying what is going on. Absolutely. Yes. So, I thank you so much, Dina, for being on Viva la Vulva and, um, yeah, sharing this time with me. My pleasure. We'll have coffee anytime you want, Kara. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come back to LA. Thank you. Come back. Uh, uh, yes. All right. I will talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.